sales. Although I get, well, I guess sales is a five letter word, but really it's that four letter word of lawyers. We hate it. We hate doing it. And instead then we go broke. And honestly, literally everything we do is about sales. You are, as a lawyer, you are selling the truth to a judge, to a jury. You are selling your services to clients. You are selling yourself. You are selling the law. So I don't understand our hesitation with it, but that's why I'm super honored to have Tracy with us. Tracy Matney is here to talk about the simple secrets to sharpen your sales mind. So the mindset of sales. For those of you that don't know her, Tracy helps service providers make more sales without feeling salesy. Isn't that what we all want? Her students learn how to use their natural desire to serve by being their true selves in sales conversations. They overcome rejection and objections and create win-win agreements using the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y victory method to get more of the right clients. Tracy's also the CEO of Victory Points Social, a digital marketing agency helping influential entrepreneurs create conversations that convert clicks into customers. She used her 16 years of sales experience to turn 30,000 sales conversations by the age of 30 into a $30,000 a month freelancing business in just three years. We have alliteration everywhere, everybody. <laughs> so Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, I know that was a lot of alliteration and a lot of conversations. And I think most people probably haven't had that many conversations and then they say they don't like sales, but they haven't really had enough conversations. Ooh, I like it. And that's what we're going to dive into now to talk about the simple secrets to sharpen your sales mind. Before we dive into that, Tracy, um, you just launched a Facebook group. I want to make sure we get on here twice. What's the Facebook group people join after they want to pick your brain more having heard you on our exhibit a episode here. It's called sales victory and um, it's a growth mentorship ship community. So it's called sales victory growth mentorship community. There we go. All right. We're going to dive deep into this now, but before that, I do want to talk about our last episode. Um, our last episode had Kristen David on of Upleveling Your Business, the Kristen David, who talked about the no-nonsense approach to successful business management. So for all of you lawyers like me who struggle with managing a business, especially with no-nonsense, because I am usually full nonsense, you got to mm -hmm. go and listen to the wonderful tips that Kristen explained across the four pillars of running a great firm. But enough about that. Tracy, we're talking sales. We're talking the sales mindset. So here's where I want to start, I think what actually is a sale like what is our definition of a sale so we can talk about the mindset to achieve more of them sure i mean a sale i mean if you've got a three-year-old and i'm going to call him a three-nager and you're trying to get them to eat their broccoli that is sales my friend that's... were you with me all morning i that's exactly what i have Not with <laughs> no broccoli, but though, just with everything you have a you have a three-nager yeah yes well so i think that like sales is a life skill it's not just something that we use in our business. It's something that we use all the time. Like you want your in-laws to do something, you know, you got it. There's some techniques that you can use to get them to say yes. You know, um, sometimes I'll say, honey, do you want to uh, pick up my son from school or do you want to make dinner? Choice between two positives. That is a sales technique right there. And because he's in sales too, he gets me and he's like, hey, don't do that to me. Um, but um, there's a lot of techniques that you can learn. And I, I think that like, sales isn't necessarily just a transaction. It's persuading another person to do the thing you want them to do. Ideally, that serves them. I believe that selling is serving. So it's not necessarily just something that serves you. Because if if you're listening right now, and that's what you want to do, you should just tune out because everything I'm going to talk about is about service. It's about helping other people. So it's really important to me. Um, so yeah, that's how I would define selling. 
So a couple things. Every lawyer listening to this who's married to a lawyer knows exactly what you're talking about with the life cross-examination and whatnot along the sales <laughs> stuff. And I freaking love that you were like, if you just want to be salesy for you know your own benefit, get off of here because that is that is what I was hoping to hear. I think that's where people kind of struggle with from the standpoint of like, I have to be fake to be salesy, but ultimately you don't. To do it really well, you're not being fake. You're truly creating that win-win. So I love it. Right. And if you are, then people can see right through that. I mean, nobody likes the like used car sales guy and you're on the lot and they're like, if you leave right now, that car's not going to be here when you come back. Because they know if you leave the lot, you're very unlikely to come back. So they'll do whatever they can do to get you to sell it. That's like why people don't like sales is because that's their experience with it. But to me is like, if you're really passionate about what you do and you know that what you do actually solves a big problem for people, it's easy to sell. Well, so one, to use your three-nager example, my kid has literally used that argument with me about getting candy from SeaWorld and, it, and eventually it worked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, and, and it's funny to me because what you said is totally true. We are so wrapped up in this concept of sales being terrible, but also like we love buying crap. Like we, we as a society love buying stuff. We hate being sold stuff. And so it's like that super fine line uh, between it. I love that you're just falling back onto like when it's a win-win, when it's a benefit to them, when it's in their best interest, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we want to dive into the victory method a little bit. We want to talk about sales mindset. What's What makes the most sense for you? Yeah, well, the victory method, and I love that you spelled it out and you said V-I-C-T-O-R-Y because the times that I spell it, it makes me think of high school and like the cheers, like that's our battle cry, you know, or ends with victory. Um, it's just the reason I call it that is because it when you win something, like I said, it should be for both parties. Um, so every letter actually spells out all the victory method. We probably don't have time today to like go over everything. I do actually have an article on my blog that breaks down each one of the letters. But the mindset piece of it is the C. And the C stands for choose your thoughts. And a lot of people really struggle with this concept because they're like, if you're, especially if you're an attorney, you're probably really analytical, which is a good thing, right? But you're also great with people. I mean, you need to be good with people. I would hope so. And I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't Congratulations. That, but I have two clients that are lawyers and um, it's interesting, like talking with them, they're very different people. So it doesn't matter what your personality really is. You can learn to be good at sales and you can learn to get clients no matter what. And actually sometimes introverts actually make better salespeople because they know how to ask better questions and they know how to zip it. Because people like me, I'm very extroverted. I can like talk to anybody in the grocery store line. No, that gets me in trouble sometimes. My gift of gab has actually caused me some lost sales because I talk too much and I get rambly, right? So, uh -oh. right? So everybody thinks, oh, well, I'm not extroverted. I'm not like outgoing enough. Like I, it's hard for me to like start up a conversation, but that part of it is actually something that could get you in trouble. So if you're really, you don't even need to be a good talker. You need to be a good question asker, a good listener, a good observer. And so, um, we can kind of dive into a lot of those things, a lot of those things I just touched on throughout the victory method, but the C is choose your thoughts. And so, yeah. And I just, I find it so interesting because like, I feel like everybody is always like, well, I'm an introvert as if it's a bad thing, but like, if you really boil it down, so you're trying to build a relationship with somebody. And right. so like from that introvert standpoint, when you're sitting there in the consultation or building the relationship, like usually it's a one-on-one -on -one thing or it's a super small group. It's not like, 
yeah. you know, it's not like salespeople are wandering out into a, a true marketplace and just been like, Hey, buy my, you know, it's not like a farmer's market for most of us when it comes to sales. Right. So that introvertness can actually be a huge positive. Right. And the marketing piece of your business should be the thing that's getting people to come to you. That's what's attracting people to you. And then the sales piece of what you do, that's like, should be the part that you're really good at because that's all about you. You know, the marketing is like what you're doing with Facebook ads or Google or whatever you're doing. And then once you get them to you on a call, if you can really own that, um, like you said, it's building relationship. And sometimes introverts are way better at making people feel heard because they're better listeners a lot of times. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I think like before you get on that sales call, one of the most important things to do is to choose your thoughts. I just attended a conference called Funnel Hacking Live, and it's this big marketers conference put on by ClickFunnels. And Tony Robbins was there and he was talking about you have to decide on your state, like literally your emotional state. So he made us do. I mean, he talked for six hours, this guy. I don't know how nonstop without a breath. For Tony, six hours. Tony Robbins. I know it's crazy, but like, and it was blocked out for two and a half. And then it was like six hours later, I'm still there. But he um, made us do this, these physical actions to help us decide on our emotional state. So like, think about it like this. If you're running around crazy, you're putting out client fires, you maybe just got back from the courtroom, you're doing all this stuff. And then you have to hop into a zoom room or a client's coming to your office to meet with you and you're stressed out. Like how, what is your state going to be before you do that sales call? You're going to be overwhelmed, distracted, out of breath. You're not your best, right? So you have to put in buffers to be able to have a good, to set yourself up for success. So what I do is I usually book my calls for 50 minutes. I don't do hour calls because I need that 10 minute buffer. I mean, like to get a snack or a glass of water or like walk around outside for a minute. If we're just stuck inside all day, you know, doing meetings, um, that's one thing that's really important. You can actually choose the way that you're going to go into that call based on your physical state. Now, thinking about choosing your thoughts, um, I actually use, and this is like the cheesiest thing ever, but it 100% works, is I use positive affirmations that I say out loud to myself. So can I tell you a story about 2009 when I was this naive college kid selling books door to door? Yes, please. I okay? love this. And it was 2009, that 2009, I was in Michigan. So Michigan was like the heart of the unemployment swell. Like literally every other house I went to, the person, people were unemployed because, you know, that's where the car industry is, right? I didn't know I was 21. So I'm going door to door and I'm selling these $300 books. I have no idea that $300 is like a lot of money to someone who's unemployed. And um, I'm what selling kind of these books. books and they were educational books. It's okay. like uh, K through 12. It's like these big fat thick uh, study guide books. And I sold a lot of them that summer, but in the first three weeks, I had like had doors slammed in my face. People cussed me out. People like rejected me left and right. And um, this was, I signed up for this. I mean, it was straight commission and I'm trying to figure out like, why did I do this? Like, I'm like a thousand miles from home. I was living with like a host family. It was like, literally, if you want to learn marketing or sales business, like this was like throw you to the wolves kind of sales. It's a really legitimate company. They've been around 150 years. Like I want my kid to do it whenever he's old enough, you know? Um, but so I, I did this. They would have us run in between houses. So like you knock on the door and lady yells at you, slams the door, whatever. Or maybe she's nice and gives you lemonade or cookies. And that, that did happen too. Um, whatever happened, um, the second you were done and you left the house, you have your backpack with your books in it and you run to the next house and knock on the door right away. 
It's like there's no time to think, to process what just happened, to, to like be like, oh my gosh, is the next lady going to yell at me too? Like I had a lady spray me with a water hose. She was watering her plants and she drenched me with a water hose and was like, get off my lawn. Literally, like I just laughed because I had practiced over and over like dealing with that rejection. And so um, we would do these things. We'd have these like pump up songs and we would just like sing them out loud. We would talk to ourselves. We're like running in between houses and we're like, you're the best, Tracy, you got this. Like the next house is going to have a checkbook waiting to sign. Like literally we would just like out loud say this stuff. So I know it sounds ridiculous, but it worked. And when I do it now before I, I have a, actually I have a sales call tomorrow where I'm going to pitch a really big project. I mean, it's a huge potential client for me. It's like majorly leveling up and um, like it's a $15,000 a month retainer. And I've never sold anything that big. My biggest client's like 7,000 a month. So I'm like, I'm nervous, but I'm also like, no, like I know I can deliver. I'm very confident in what I can deliver. So I'm going to, I am pumped. I've been pumping myself up for a week, but I'm like, here, I know I can help them get more leads. I know I can help them get more customers. And I know that my team is going to be able to handle it. So you just have to say positive stuff to yourself before you do the conversation. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like you're using, in essence, you're using the speed as sort of like a coping mechanism, but then you found out that hype you know, that, that quick hype to get back into it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the end of the day, allow yourself to process. I mean, don't just like put it all there. Like you need to process like what happened, but it's also important. I think to just like in the moment when something bad happens, not dwell on it because we do that and we allow stuff to ruin our entire day. But I, I mean, that was, I don't know, 12 years ago that I did this summer thing. Like I, I literally think that it, that mindset and like learning how to deal with rejection and learning these sales skills at such a young age has really been what's able to help me now. So unfortunately, our most of our attorneys are way too pot committed to take the summer off and get that crash course. So yeah. from that standpoint of like that law firm owner who's still doing their sales, but also still doing the legal work, but also still doing most of their marketing, but also still doing all their payroll, but also still their HR and a thousand other hats. Like, how do they throw themselves into that opportunity? Like, how do they get the numbers there? How do they get that? Um, how do they get those reps in, I guess, is the question. That's amazing that you said reps because the R in the victory method is reps. Oh, so well, there we go. You have to get your reps in. Yeah, you have to get your, and I say get your no reps in. The more no's you get, the closer you are to getting a yes. And so, um, I mean, are we saying how do we get people on a call? Is that what you're asking me? Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, look, we do, there's a ton of these episodes on marketing and I, okay. I want to stay away from that side of it. Like truly yeah. I want to talk about the sales as much as we can. Sure. Cause I think that's a lot harder to help lawyers with. Sure. So um, if they're getting 10 calls a week, yeah. 10 meetings a week, you know, like say, say to yourself, like I've got, I'm going to do 10 calls and no matter what happens in those calls, I'm going to show up and I do my best because if you're focused on the sale, the customer can see that first of all. And I like to focus on the effort and the activity. So I ask myself these questions that I can control, controlling the controllables. I can control whether I prepared for that call or not. Do I know enough about this potential prospect to be able to, to serve them, to be able to sell them something, by, serve them by selling them something? Like, do I know enough about them? Um, was Did I control my state ahead of time? Like, did I give myself enough buffer to be ready for that. Like these are the things that they can control. So that's what I would focus on before they even get on the call. And then also I use a script. Like I've been doing sales literally since 
I like to say since I was five, kindergarten, selling Girl Scout cookies. Seriously, every single job my whole life has been some sort of sales. And even though I've been doing sales that long, I still use a script. I mean, it's kind of like a framework. It's not like a memorized script. But the reason I use a framework is because it really helps me make sure that I cover the points that I want to cover. So, all right. So great point. So from that, you know, five-year-old selling Girl Scout cookies to selling books in college to now, how different has that framework gotten? Um, it's actually really always the same. I mean, I didn't learn these techniques when I was five. I think people bought them because I was cute and I kept going. Like I just kept going neighbor door to door, right? Selling the cookies to random strangers. But um, I think like when I was in college, I learned this script and um, they they gave us a script. They, they said, here's what you do. You memorized it and all that. And I would find myself, I would go a whole week and I'd be like, I don't really think I use my script that much this week. And I would look at my numbers. I'd be like, dang it, like my sales are down. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was being lazy. And so um, we always had these meetings on Sunday afternoons and it was kind of like our Sunday meeting, everybody get back together, talk about stuff. And I would always be like, I need to go back to my script. So I'd sit there and I'd study it. And on the weeks where I use my script more, I always did so much better. So the script itself, it always starts with a uh, buying atmosphere. And this is something that is like a kind of a ninja trick that a lot of people don't do in sales. They start the sales conversation and then they ask a ton of questions, which is great. You should ask questions, but they'll be like, okay, what, so what are you looking for? What can I do? And then they jump in with a solution and then they try to close it. That's like typical what people do in sales and they skip the buying atmosphere. The buying atmosphere is when you ask permission to sell them something and you ask permission for them to give you a yes or a no. So you tell them like, hey, today I'm going to show you X, Y, Z. And if and if you feel like this is going to be a good fit for you right now in your circumstances, um, is this something that you think you can decide on today? And it's a really hard question. It's a very bold question to ask. And they'll say yes or no. And if they're like, no, then you're like, oh, OK, is there somebody else that needs to be here? Like maybe your spouse or like a business partner, you know, whatever. And um, they'll be like, yeah, actually, my business partner needs to be here. I'm like, okay, let's reschedule. You know what? I think it's better if we just reschedule. That way you don't have to hear all the same stuff twice. And then we'll re so I would reschedule. Like I don't waste my time or their time doing the call. So that's one thing is always making sure the decision maker is there and they're willing to decide. Um, and then the other part of that buying atmosphere is that if they say yes, you say, okay, cool. And this was the cheesy way I did it. I would say like at the end of today, if you could just give me a big thumbs up or a big thumbs down, you know, it just like made me like, a relatable person. It wasn't like it's all stuffy. Like, can you sign on the dotted line today? Like, I just have to be like me. Like, I'm goofy. That's just how I am. So there's, it's not a bad thing to like be yourself, especially like people have this vibe that lawyers are stuffy and boring. Like, so if you're like just able to be yourself in a conversation, like in the beginning, they're going to lighten up a lot more and they're going to trust you and they're going to like you more. So anyway, that buying atmosphere, setting that at the beginning, that way, when you get to the end and you're like, okay, and you've presented the pricing, you presented everything. And they say, they say, okay, well, let me think about it. And you're like, Hey, remember at the beginning, we kind of talked about whether you could decide today. And you said, yeah. And they're like, yeah, I did say that. And you're like, okay, so what's, then it gives you a chance to go, okay, well, what's holding you back? Like what hesitations do you have about moving forward? This is all every lawyer. They're thinking it's the price, but I don't want to seem cheap. So I can't tell you it's the price, but it's the price. Yeah. So if it's the price and they either didn't know how much it was going to be and they're kind of sticker shock, or maybe you just didn't build up the value enough. Like maybe they, maybe they, and it might not always actually be the price. It could be that 
maybe they're getting two quotes and your price is the same, but they're like, I know I have to do this, but I don't know who to go with. And maybe it's that they don't trust you yet. And trust is a huge part, especially when it's a high ticket thing. You know, I I'm taking over people's Facebook ads. I'm spending their money on ads. They have to trust me. If they don't trust me, then they're not going to hire me. So what, so what I do to kind of combat that is I cover that objection much earlier in the sales conversation is I say like, Hey, and I know like, um, us working together, it's going to require a lot of you to trust me. And I know that's really hard. So like acknowledge that and then say, so here's a couple examples of some clients that I've worked with. And I know in your case, you probably can't use their name, but just say like, so let me tell you a story about Susie and tell the story about Susie and about how she was really hesitant to invest in this. I mean, I don't know, we're talking about all different kinds of law here, but she was really hesitant to do this. And, um, she went ahead and, and, that move forward because X, Y, and Z, and this is the result we were able to get for her. And now, and this is what she said. And maybe if you even have a testimonial, that's even better. But so um, I want to jump in along those lines. So, because what you, you made such a good point, we were talking about different kinds of law. So from the standpoint of, in essence, most law is going to fall into one of two categories, proactive or reactive. So from that reactive standpoint, there was a car accident. Somebody's hurt right now. Somebody was arrested. There's a case proactive, you've got the, well, I'm going to die. I need estate planning at some point. You know, I want to mm -hmm. buy a house. I need real estate work at some point. Do you see a difference between that reactive and proactive need or is really the sales process the same regardless? Sure. I could see it being different. One of my clients is a, a trademark attorney. So that's obviously proactive. People want to make sure they're protecting their brand. And so, um, it's something that people are like, do I really need that? I don't know. I think I need it. So she's trying to help them understand the importance of it, but it's not like a right now I have to do a reactionary thing. So I could see why like for her, she needs to build up more of the, um, you know, authority and the, and the like do it now, the urgency of like kind of the, what would happen if they didn't, like, if you don't, Someone could take your brand, these kind of things, not necessarily to scare them, but to create a little more emotion around this decision. Because in that, in her case, it's not super emotional yet. But if someone gets like in a car accident, that's a pretty emotional situation. And I would say like, if the lawyer wants to build trust, they need to kind of slow down the sales process. Because mm -hmm. if someone's in a highly emotional, vulnerable state and you're coming in and you're like, I can solve this problem like right now, they're like, they might say yes because out of emotion, but then they like freak out because they're like, wait, is this person taking advantage of me? So I think like slowing down the sales process, if possible, um, would be helpful. See, it's interesting. That was not what I expected and not like, not in a way that I know any better. Um, so then, so, but I want to go farther than that because that is such a great point. So from the standpoint of that hyper reactive area of law, when it comes to trying to slow down that sales process, like how do you, what do you recommend? What do you suggest? What insight do you have for that law firm? Well, so what I do is a two set, a two step call close. I meet with somebody, I do a discovery call and I, cause same thing with what I do. They have an offer. They want to sell it's They want to sell it next week, right? Like they're like, I've got this thing. I want to sell it. Like, can you run my ads? And I'm like, yes, but let's, let's make sure that we're going to be the right fit. I am in control of the sales process, not them. So I say, Let's slow things down. I, I don't say let's slow things down, but I slow things down by saying, let's jump on a 15, 20 minute call 
and let's just see if we'd be a good fit to work together. And like, just, I really want to get to know you and learn a little bit about your situation and your problem and see if I can solve it. Because if I can, then we'll do a deeper dive session. I'll go over pricing and all that. But if not, I want to refer you to someone else who can help you. So then we do this 15, 30 minute call. And then if at the end of that, I do feel like it's a good fit, I'll say, cool. So like, I really do think I can help you. Let me put together a proposal and what I think would be a good thing. And even if in their case, it needs to happen like timeline wise fast, make it the next day. It doesn't need to be like two weeks from now. Like, hey, let's meet tomorrow. Um, give me give me a chance to kind of like go over your case and make sure that I can definitely help you. Um, and then we'll get on a call because that's going to help them slow their emotions. It's going to make make me, if I were a customer going, wow, they're really going to take the time to look at my case and make sure they can help me. Because a lot of people don't want to be just sold, right? So get on the call the next day. And then that's whenever you can go a little deeper into their situation, help them understand your value and then give them a price. So then from that standpoint, so then I, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that then you're going to intentionally not do the big thumbs up, big thumbs down in that discovery call. You're going to save that part for that second call. Right. I do that in the second call. Gotcha. I don't do the thumbs up, thumbs down thing anymore. Oh. That was a now I just say like, hey, if you could, do you think you could say yes or no? Maybe I should try it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like I'm imagining, you know, like the, the the gladiators at the Coliseum at the end of like a battle. Like, all right, you know, does he live? Does he die? Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I have that. I told you I have that big sales call tomorrow. Maybe I'll try yeah. it. I'll, I'll report back. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, well, see, now you're making me nervous. I don't know if I want you to change your game up for the, uh, the <laughs> big pitch. <laughs> no, but I do ask. I do ask it on the second call. The first call is literally a chill discovery call. Um, one other thing that I think is really important that I also do is I give them a little hint at the price before they even get on that first call. So on my like booking page where they book a call with me, I don't do the back and forth with email. Like, when are you available? What about this day? I have like a scheduler so they can go in and then they have to fill out a couple questions and they answer it. So then I'm more prepared for that discovery call. And one of the questions says, it says like my rates start at X. Is this something that you're willing to invest in now? Like, yes, I have the funds and I'm ready to grow. B is like, maybe if the part, growth partner is the right fit. And C is like, no, thanks. Um, not right now. I can't afford that right now. And it's exciting to me when people are like, yes, I have the funds because they want to get on a call with them. I'm like, okay, they already know my minimum price. So then we're, we have somewhere to start versus like if they think it's going to be $500 a month and then we get on the call and I tell them it's $5,000 a month, they're going to be like, I'm sorry, what? You know, it's like sticker shock. So I don't know if there's a way to do that in the lawyer world, but if you could kind of like have your, have a, even if it's like a pricing article on your website, that's like, how much does services like this cost? And it doesn't say your exact prices, but um, it gives kind of a standard like idea and it educates them about what it might be. Makes subtle sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just imagining, like from the way you've broken it down, I'm imagining like the next time I go to buy a car, that salesman just being like, or salesperson just being like, hey, we're going to have a 15 minute chat before you can't buy the car today. Like, we just want to talk to make sure we have the right car for you. And like, how much more effective with it? How, forget effective. How much more truthful do you feel like you could be as the buyer if yeah. that's the initial conversation where it's like, you can't buy this today. We want to make yeah. sure we get the right car for you. You know, at best it'll be tomorrow. Like, we just want to talk about what you truly need. And then we'll talk about how we get you in that vehicle. Like I that would disrupt would be, the yeah. car industry. Interesting. I'm really digging this. So from that lawyer perspective, you know, we're talking about slowing it down. We're talking about obviously truthfulness becoming huge. You know, we get the beauty of the automatic confidentiality with clients or potential clients in that conversation. 
how do we convey that trust though? I know we've talked about that in a couple of different ways, but like, what's the best way? Cause obviously we're positioning ourselves as like a go-to expert to help somebody with a really specific problem. Yeah. Previous results. Results don't lie. If you're like, I did this and this is what happened. I can do the same for you. I mean, you can't guarantee anything, right? Cause it's, we're talking about people here and people are messy, but you're, you know, it's like, this is what I've done. This is a client that's similar to you and their situation. Um, that's why I do a lot of storytelling um, in my calls. I'll say like, yeah, I can see kind of like what your struggles are. Yeah, I had a client that was similar to that. And I'll tell them this story and I'll say, she was concerned about the same thing. She was worried that her ads weren't going to work. Or, you know, in their case, the lawyer could say, yeah, she was really worried that um, she wasn't going to get, she wasn't going to win the case. And she felt like that because blah, blah, blah. We're tap, we have to tap into emotions. And I think that that's something that's really hard to do. Um, especially if you're a very logical, analytical type person is to be like, what emotions are silly, but people literally buy based on emotions and then later they back it up with logic. So let's use the car example. You go to the lot. How do you feel about like, let's say, let's say you want to get a, this brand new, what's like the suburban like you need for your family with a bunch of kids. I, like, I am totally the wrong person on it. My three-year-old can answer this question better for you than I can. Okay. Well, I'm not a car person, so this is probably not a good example for me to use, but if you're going to the car lot and you want to get like a really nice car, okay. Or let's, let's just go with a Tesla because everyone wants a Tesla, All right. right? There we go. So you go, you want to go get a Tesla and you're like, do you buy the Tesla because it's logical car? Uh, Maybe if you make like you a try lot to tell of money that. and you might convince yourself that, but when you're there, you want it because it's like an emotional reason. Like you want to feel good about yourself. You want to have like, you want to like, be like it's a status symbol, right? And it feels, it's fast. Like it feels good. It looks good. Like that's all emotion. That is not logic. But then after you buy the car, you get home and you're, you're logically talking yourself into it. You're like, yeah, but it gets really good gas mileage. And you know, you're just, you're talking yourself into why it was, oh, and it's a business investment because it's going to help me look good to clients, which is going to help me get more clients. So it's totally logical. That's how people buy. Okay. So when you're selling them in a conversation, you're not selling them based on straight logic. And that's what people try to, especially logical, analytical people, they try to sell on logic. You have to sell on the emotion of it. See, it's How funny, you, did, feel when they're done. you did Tesla. For me, it's always the iPhone. Like all of my <laughs> Android friends are like, we had those features four years ago. I was like, I don't care. The phone makes me feel cool. Like that's flat so out. That's why I have, that's why I've had every iPhone for God knows how long since the first, <laughs> since before they had numbers. Yeah. And now it's like, but is it really the best one? I don't know. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel like I'm an important person. So I'm Especially if you I get totally it first. Agree. When it's like first out, you're like, I'm gonna go there because you get caught up in the emotion of like wanting wanting to be in line. And you know, it's like this emotional thing. So if you're if you're sitting there in a sales conversation, someone's sitting in the chair and they've gotten a car accident and you're like, Okay, I can help you by this, this, and this, like you're not connecting with them. And actually this brings me to the I in the victory method, which is intimacy. And um, a lot of people understand relevancy. So there's intimacy and relevancy. Both of those pieces have to work together. The relevancy is you got in a car accident. I can help you fight this case. I have a relevant solution. Intimacy is connecting with them with their story and your story. So when you tell your story or not necessarily yours in this case, but like another client's story, your prospect story becomes the client's story which therefore they're like, I can see myself in that potential, that other client that got good results. Now they trust you because you connected someone else's story with their story. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's mean you need to be a therapist and hug them. Right. You know? 
Well, and I think it's always interesting to like talk to clients who hired you or didn't about why and really try to get their answers. Cause I think like I am of the belief that people totally lie about that reasoning, not intentionally. Like what we talked about with the Tesla, like I, I'm the only idiot who's going to be like, I buy an iPhone cause it makes me feel cool. Everybody else will give you some logical reason. So it's right. always interesting to see like, well, I went with you because of this, or they had more experience or whatever. Um, yeah. But it is such an interesting conversation to have when you were able to have it with that client, having just gone through the process or even that not client, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who said no, giving you the why can sometimes be just as helpful. Yeah. And it's actually kind of a bold thing to do is after they're done and they say, yeah, we just really can't do it. And you just say, okay, I totally respect that. Out of curiosity, what is it that um, is making you say no and do it right then? They might not tell you, but maybe they will, you know, and, and actually they might even go, well, it's this. And then now you have a chance to cover that, uh, that hesitation. And if you had just let them go, you might not have known. And actually um, this kind of goes back to interviewing. Like when people are trying to get a job, I, I, Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but literally I have been offered a lot of jobs and then I get to pick, which is really fun. My first job out of college, I worked for Sam Adams. I sold Sam Adams beer to bars and restaurants and I got fired from that job. Like I worked there three years. I was a number one sales rep on the West Coast and I got fired. That's a story for another day. But um, after that, I was like, I'm going to go and get a better job. Right. And I couldn't work in the beer industry because I had a non-compete and I'm not a lawyer. So I was like, I'm not fighting that. It's fine. I was done with beer anyway. So I was like, I'm going to go. So I got like all these interviews and I had four final interviews and I got offered four jobs. And the way that I did that was being able to ask really good questions. I mean, these are all sales jobs. So they're testing you on your sales skills. But what I would always say is like at the beginning of like, as we're getting closer toward the end of the process, I would say, so um, based on our conversation today and my resume and my background, do you feel like I'd be a good fit for this position? And they would always be taken aback. No one ever asked that. So they would be like, and you guys can use this if your lawyer is not working at your own firm. If you want to go get a lawyer job, ask that question. And they'll be like, they'll either say, yes, I do think you're a good fit. And your response is great. So uh, what's the next step? And they'll say, oh, well, we'd have to have you interview with this person. Or they'll say, well, you know, we're kind of ready to offer you the job. Or they'll say, um, no, we don't think you're a good fit. Well, that's great. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> move on. Right. Or you could say, well, why not? And then if, but most of the time the answer is going to be, well, we have all these other people we're interviewing or, you know, I'm not really at Liberty to say, you know, that's the most of the time. So then my, my, my question is, oh, well, what hesitations do you have? Do you have any hesitations about moving forward? And then they will almost always tell me something. And usually it was just because I didn't explain something very well earlier or something that we didn't get a chance to talk about. And then I can cover the objection right then rather than the awkward follow-up. So like all of that works exactly the same when you're selling clients. You know, if you say like, hey, do you feel like we'd be a good fit to to help you? And they say, I don't know, maybe. Uh, and then you say, oh, what hesitations do you have? And they say, oh, well, I'm just really concerned about this. And I'm not totally sure if you can help. Then you get a chance to help them, help them understand. I love it. Well, I mean, like to put the fine point on that, like ultimately somebody saying no to you is like the second best answer they can give you. Mm -hmm. Really, the worst answer is nothing. It's just the ghosting. And right. then you spend, you know, the time following up or, or having no idea what the issue was yeah. or not being able to address the right. hesitation or objection. So, and you have to follow up, but follow up sucks. Like, honestly, I, I hate the whole, sure. Yeah. Let me get back to you. Okay. I'll send over a proposal. And then they email you back and they're like, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Or they just don't email you back and you've followed up with them eight times in different ways. And then you never hear back. And then you get the, oh, we went a different direction or whatever. It's like, 
just find out if they're going to be able to decide on that call. That is like, that's like a huge change. Love it. All right. We're getting towards the end here, but I want to make sure, are there any other like small tips like that, that we can drop for some lawyers listening to this, probably struggling with their sales process? Yeah. Um, well, so the T and the victory method is trial closes. So you might like the word trial, the lawyer word, but a trial close is getting them to say yes. And like to little questions. So all throughout the, the conversation, I ask them little questions that the expected answer is yes. So a question might be like, so if you, um, you know, if you feel like we'd be a good fit to work together, is it something you make a decision on? Yes. Right. There's a small yes. And then you'd say like, okay, are you understanding kind of how I'm explaining this? Is this making sense so far? Yes. Um, you, you ask them like, if I could show you a way that's going to help you, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, would, would you have any other things that you would need to do? No, not really. You're like, okay, so we could keep go We could keep talking. Yes. So like any little small questions that you can ask that is a simple yes. Like, um, well, I do marketing, so it's a little different, but I say like, if what's your goal, you want to do a hundred thousand dollars this year. I'm just making up a number. And they, they say, yes. I'm like, okay, what'd you do so far? 50,000. Okay. So we have a gap of about $50,000, right? Yes. Cool. So if, if I could help you close that gap, this would be like a no brainer, right? Yes. So if I'm doing that, that way, when I get to the end and I give pricing, I've gotten to the, they're like, they're just in the habit of saying yes. I love it. You're training them on it. Yep. You kind of train them on getting them to do what you want them to do all throughout. And again, obligatory disclosure for everybody. Just want to make sure we are hammering this point home. Everything that you're talking about here, everything I'm talking about here is based upon the fact that you are going to do a great job. Like it is your moral imperative to get them mm -hmm. to buy because you will truly be the best attorney for them. You will truly solve the problem yes. as best as possible. You will truly drive the right ROI they need to make that $50,000 uh, gap and whatnot. Like that is right. the table stakes of what we're talking about. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it back to that because these are all like techniques that people could go, Oh, that's slimy. But honestly, if you're, if they have a problem and you have a solution, it is your responsibility to sell them something that will help them. If you don't sell them something that will help them now, they're still sitting at home, not being helped or they're getting helped by somebody else that probably can't do as good of a job as you. So it's your moral responsibility to sell them. Well, and then we go back to, you know, the big thing about reviews. So you're talking about sharing those stories and that's very similar to somebody being able to Google you or Google your firm and find, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred positive five-star reviews sharing okay. their journey. That is exactly the same as the journey of the potential client to give even more proof that you are awesome at your job. Like we have this, right. this human need to connect with each other, this human need to feel like, you know, we're going to get the same feedback as somebody else, or the same experience as somebody else. Yeah, totally. Awesome. All right. Anything else you want to make sure we cover as we get to the end? I, I think we talked about a lot. I, I want to make sure, um, I think that people, if you just slow down the sales process, connect with them on an intimate level, hear where they're at, repeat what they're saying, um, and then make sure that you're, you're observing them. That was one of the letters we didn't talk about, which is the O is just observe their behavior. Do they fidget when they talk about certain things? Cause that might show that they're uncomfortable. Are they like making really good eye contact with you? Cause then that's showing like they're, they're engaged and they're trusting you. Are they looking away? Cause if you're a natural talker, you might just be talk, 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 not even noticing that they're like totally checked out and they're not even listening to you anymore. So make sure that you're observing their body language. It's like selling one-on-one is to watch their body language, but so many people just don't do it. Um, so. Well, and, it's, and, and to tie this back to the thing I said at the beginning and for lawyers, like 
everything that Tracy's talking about, how much of this sounds like what you do during jury selection and during trial, you're looking at the jurors, you're making sure they're engaged, you're making sure it's resonating with them. It's the same thing for sales. Like yeah. the same stuff about how you sell the case to a jury or the judge is the same thing for how you sell your services to the client, especially backed by you having the having the facts on your side, having the law on your side, having the experience on your side, you know, being the best fit, uh, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and also you are you like you're nobody but you. So comparing yourself to other people and how they do it and that's not useful. In fact, Teddy Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And then Mark Twain took it a step further and said that comparison is the death of joy. So I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody to steal my joy or kill it. So like, I'm just like not comparing. So I think just being your true authentic self, if, if that's goofy, if that's chill and more reserved, that's fine. Be yourself. Don't try to like, be like somebody else. That's my other take on it. I love it. All right. So we are still going to have your final nugget of wisdom, but I do want to talk about our next episode. This episode is going to uh, air. The next episode will air this Thursday. So veterans day at 1230 Eastern time. So one hour earlier than you watch this episode on Thursday, we've got Yev Muchnick as well as Jason Wiener coming on. They're going to talk about the people first employee owned law firms. So how you really truly put people first and make your employees feel like they own the law firm or having them actually own the law, the law firm, depending upon uh, what your state allows for and based upon the structure of everything. That'll be Thursday, 11-11 uh, at 12.30 Eastern time. But Tracy, you dropped so many nuggets of wisdom, but I'm still gonna ask for one more. So if somebody's been listening to this for the last 45 minutes, remember absolutely nothing that you said, except what you're gonna say here. What would be your biggest piece of advice, your diamond nugget of wisdom, the most important takeaway on how a lawyer listening to this or watching this could be the exhibit a of a successful attorney it can be something you've already shared it can be something totally different just that most important thing to leave yeah. people with i think the most important thing is that you focus on these three things connection preparation and activity so you're connecting with them on a deeper level you're preparing you know what you're going to talk about you don't you're not winging it and that you are focusing on the activity and not on the sales results like the dollars so those are the three things that if you're focusing on those you'll be successful in sales. Love it. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, this is super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do, before we go, we're gonna talk about, I think two different Facebook groups. We're gonna let Tracy go first for her Facebook group. And then I wanna talk about our masterclass tomorrow in our Facebook group. Yeah, so I have a Facebook group called Sales Victory. It's a growth victory, growth. I just created it. Maybe it's too wordy. The Sales Victory. It's a growth mentorship community. So I go live in there very regularly with nuggets like this. You can ask questions and connect with other people in service-based businesses. Awesome. And then for everybody who's already in our group, Solutions for Lawyers, for lawyers by Lawyers, or if you're not, uh, join our group tomorrow, 1230 Eastern time. Nope, sorry, 130 Eastern time. Same time as this, tomorrow, the 9th. We're going to be doing our masterclass on CRM automation. So we're going to go over what that means how to incorporate it for your firm, the time savings you should expect from it, the cost, et cetera. So that'll be 1.30 tomorrow in our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers group. Um, and Tracy, seriously, thank you so much for your time. It was a yeah. pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. This was fun, especially since I'm not a lawyer. So I hope that I was able to give you guys some wisdom and you'll actually take action and do something about it. Oftentimes it's more important for us to hear from other not lawyers as opposed to just being in our echo chamber of ourselves. Good. <laughs> cool. Well, here's to your victory. <laughs>